Hello and welcome to Converge Coffee. I'm Eric Deckers and I'm joined by one of my good friends, Scott Monty. Scott Monty is a strategic communications and leadership advisor, the author of the Timeless and Timely newsletter, host of the Timeless Leadership podcast, and the only classics major who's been the global head of digital communications for a Fortune 10 brand. Scott has worked with companies like Walmart, IBM, McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Google, and TD Bank. And he's also the co-host of two of my favorite podcasts, the I Hear of Sherlock Everywhere and the Trifles podcast. Scott, welcome. How are you? Eric, I am doing well. Anytime I get to spend time with you, it's a bonus. Aw, thank you. So uh, this is a very short. Uh, we've got just a few questions, but I want to hear about uh, your work with leadership. Uh, and, and based on what you have seen, what is one of the biggest problems that most leaders have these days? Oh, well, there's so, so many really we could go into. But um, I think fundamentally there is uh, an, an inability or a, a, an anxiety, let's say, around grasping with uncertainty. Um, you know, w with hybrid work, and now that we're getting back to returning to the office or uh, trying to develop a hybrid schedule um, with the advent of AI that seems to be taking on more and more uh, importance every day, uh, it feels like there's a lot of urgency, a lot of angst around this uncertainty. And when you think about it, we always live in uncertain times. We never know what the future is going to bring. The best we can do is kind of steer and tack our way to being where, as the great Wayne Gretzky is cliched, known for saying, uh, where the puck is going. So um, I think there's, there's this level of anxiety about uncertainty that is fueling a lot of worry. Um, you know, even though the economy... You know, from all of the data points that we see in terms of unemployment numbers, job growth, et cetera, is doing pretty well. I think there still feels like there's uh, some holding back and that leaders are a little uncertain, a little unsure of where things are going. And the challenge then is to kind of bring them some sort of um, warm fuzzies about where things are going, to give them a sense that it's going to be okay, right? We've made it this far in history. We're going to keep producing. We're going to keep thriving, uh, and there's a path forward. Okay, great. So what are leaders doing right these days? What, what are the, maybe some of the leadership problems that we've solved in the last 50, 75 years? I think what we've seen just recently, um, because of the pandemic, not, not that this wasn't happening before, but we've seen a lot of people getting burnt out, a lot of people sharing responsibilities um, at home as well as at work. And, and it's really hard to cut off your home life from your work life, uh, particularly when you are working from home. But more and more, we see particularly uh, generations perhaps like yours and mine that are not only dealing with child care issues, but they're also dealing with elder care issues on the other side. And that's in addition to all the stresses that life brings anyway. Um, but what I think leaders are doing right with respect to that is they are starting to recognize that there is burnout, that people are stressed, and that people are people. 
People are humans. And starting to treat them with more empathy and more care than they had before, just treating them like worker bees and cogs in the system. And that gives me great hope for where things will potentially end up. Okay. So uh, I know you're a classics major. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, what do you, with that classics background, bring to leaders? What can you teach them? And what are, what are some of those 2,000-year-old you know, lessons that they can learn? I, I feel like I need to launch into a Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks routine uh, at this point <laughs> with a 2,000-year-old man. Um, look, I think uh, we have always had leaders among us from throughout history, and we have their stories that have been passed along from generation to generation, um, beginning with the oral tradition and later committed to, uh, to history via writing. And just because they are hundreds, if not thousands of years old, it doesn't mean that they're any less applicable today. And I think this is the, the great danger that we have in looking at our modern day problems. We think that we have to reinvent solutions for them all the time when human nature remains constant. Our technology may change, our situations may change, but our reaction to things, our attitudes and our values and virtues that we bring to work and to life and to home, um, those are the same. And, and helping leaders to understand how to uh, spend time reflecting and generating self-awareness in that reflection process and being more circumspect before making decisions I know it's important to make decisions pretty definitively and pretty quickly, but we also need to give pause and not simply have knee-jerk reactions to things that are going on. And taking a good old-fashioned walk outdoors and detaching yourself from distractions and uh, you know the digital effluvia that happen across our screens, that's a wonderful thing. Because we get to pay attention to the world around us, we get to pay attention to ourselves and to reflect on what kind of person we want to be when we show up, when we show up to the office, when we show up at home, when we show up to our friends. So I think keeping in mind some of these timeless virtues that we've always known, um, you know, the Stoics talk about uh, wisdom and courage and um, integrity or ethics, you know, all of these things that we've known for ages still apply today. Okay. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. I imagine <clears throat> having a breadth of knowledge and, and history that you have personally looked into, you've probably seen the same lessons uh, used over and over again throughout history. You know, somebody, somebody had a great idea you know, 2,000 years ago, and we borrow it today, but what most people don't realize is, is every leader throughout history in that intervening 2,000 years also learned that lesson. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, humanity is nothing if not uh, a series of steps built on, uh, on, on previous generations accomplishing something. Uh, I think it was Isaac Newton that said, if I am able to see farther, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of giants. And you think about all the generations that have gone before and the things we have learned. And what scares me these days is people that don't pay attention to historical examples, people who think that everything we do is brand new. And it, that's hubris to think that we are the first generation to experience uh, some of these trials and tribulations. And as I said, yeah, the, the technology may be different, the situation may be different, but there are examples to learn from. And I think it was... Uh, 
the historian David McCullough, who said uh, ignorance, he said ignorance is a shabby, no, ingratitude is a shabby ignorance, something like that. But he, he, he equated ignorance and ingratitude um, with each other. And not knowing what happened before, not caring to know what happened before, not being grateful for where we are today because of the sacrifices that others made um, is, is a real problem. I, I just looked it up. And to be indifferent to that isn't just to be ignorant, it's to be rude, and ingratitude is a shabby failing. There you go. There you go. I, I should know that because I quoted it in my newsletter before. <laughs> ingratitude is a shabby failing. Yes. So now, last couple of questions. Let's talk about you and share your story. You were, you were a big shot uh, in social media marketing, and that's kind of how I first got to know you when you were at Ford Motor Company uh, leading, leading the social media for one of the biggest automakers in the world. What made you move into what you're doing now, and what made you pick this? Well, um, yeah, I used to be a big deal on the Internet, Eric. Um, <laughs> You know, the, the time at Ford was really um, an amazing journey, and I could not have been as successful as I was without the leadership of Alan Mulally. Uh, he was the CEO of Ford at the time. He arrived a couple of years before I did, but what he did is he created a culture at Ford that was interested in uh, transparency and honesty uh, and dealing with the realities of the market and uh, taking its plan and executing its plan moving forward. So uh, in the role that I had, uh, we were able to take his leadership philosophies, we were able to take the Ford brand, which goes all the way back to Henry Ford, and to do what we were trying to do in that time, which was to humanize the brand. And how, who's a better example than an original CEO whose name is still on the logo? Um, and then talk about Ford's progress against its plan, having actual proof points, having products. Uh, it was an amazing journey. Um, but as I got to the end of my time there, it, it uh, dovetailed with the end of Alan's time there. And I really felt like him exiting as a leader was going to suck a lot out of the company in terms of that culture. And uh, I just felt I had gone as far as I was going to in that position, um, but that I still had much to share with other executives and other companies moving forward, helping them be better storytellers, helping them understand the stuff that we went through that, quite frankly, companies are still struggling with, which fundamentally comes down to thinking about the other person. You know, so many companies focus their message on themselves and everything they bring to the table when, in fact, what the customer wants to hear, what the, the target audience want to hear, wants to hear is why it matters, how it's going to affect their life. And to me, that's really about corporate empathy. You know, all these things I've been talking about in terms of leadership that, that come down to empathy and virtues, that translates over into how you actually go to market and how you actually affect your messaging and your storytelling to help move the needle. Okay. And so I guess the, the next question is, what do you do for fun? What are, how do you relax? How do you take care of yourself? What are some of your hobbies? 
Uh, but this isn't going to sound like fun to a lot of people, but I write. <laughs> <laughs> I write my newsletter. I not, and the thing is, I write, I think, just as much for myself as I do for my audience. It's a cathartic kind of thing. It helps me explore my own thoughts, um, explore my connection with the world, explore ideas that I think are important, um, and, and to go a little deeper. And to me, anytime I'm writing, that takes me away from the doom scrolling and the other kind of uh, time and soul sucking activities you can uh, participate in simply with uh, a flick of the thumb. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing I do is podcasting. As you well know, and you mentioned at the top of the show, I have a couple of podcasts. Uh, one is, is kind of on hiatus right now. It's my leadership podcast. Uh, but I have two Sherlock Holmes podcasts. One that I've been, uh, I think we're in the 17th season now, and another that's in the 7th season now. And I like that because it's a connection with other people. You know, one is an interview show. It's kind of like fresh air for Sherlockians. Um, and both of the shows I host, or I should say I co-host with my good friend Bert Wolder. And having that kind of um, yin to my yang, that, that kind of uh, sympathetic ear, the uh, intelligent dialogue that I hear from him, uh, it's just so refreshing and so rejuvenating. And I, I just I love spending time around smart and witty people. Okay, great. All right. Well, that's uh, that's about it. So thank you for coming on to Converge Coffee and uh, telling us a little bit more about you and how you approach leadership and, and classical cultures. So thanks a lot for your time and have a great day. Thank you. It's been an honor to be here. And I am so relieved that you made sure that it was called Converge Coffee because I thought it was Kofeve for a minute there and I was freaking out. <laughs> no, no. We, uh, we drink the good stuff. <laughs> I have the best coffee. <laughs> It's huge. A huge cup of coffee. <laughs> Thanks a lot.